This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. We are in week three of our series that we have called Healed and Whole. And what we're talking about in this series is that uh, the scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now this is a spiritual position that God has given to us, but we just don't want to have it um, as a state of spiritual existence, that we actually want to experience God's wholeness in our lives, experience God's healing power. So, so far in this series, we talked uh, week one, and you can catch up on any of these messages on our uh, podcast or on our website or also on our church app. Um, We talked about peace, experiencing God's peace regardless of the circumstances in and around us. And then last week we talked about two different people who had very difficult circumstances, uh, big struggles in life and how God was able to uh, change their circumstances and change their lives. And so today we're going to be talking something different, but let's turn back over to Isaiah chapter 53 this morning. And before we get to that, uh, do we have any hockey players in the house? anybody hockey fans we should have more hockey fans now because the leafs are doing a bit better and uh you know we've got some young exciting players and stuff like that so it might be actually fun again to watch some hockey um but i started playing uh hockey when i was seven years old we moved to mississauga when i was seven i had taken uh, power skating before that but finally got into playing some hockey when i was seven years old and um it was just a house league team, you know, we would play once a week. And when you're seven and you're playing hockey, generally, if you've ever watched young uh, people play hockey, it's basically just a clump of kids following the puck around the ice and all of a sudden somebody breaks free and something good happens. Uh, but when I was seven, in my very first game that I played organized hockey, I scored a goal. And uh, it's kind of strange because I was playing defense, so I don't know how I got on a breakaway. It was the only year they let me play defense, otherwise I played center after that. But this is actually the stick that I scored my first goal with when I was seven. And the reason I know this is the stick that I scored my first goal with is that my dad actually wrote on this stick. And it says this, this stick was used by Brent to score his first goal in his first game of organized hockey. Now, yeah, so cute. (laughs) That was the only goal I scored that year. Um, But that's beside the point because once again, I was on defense. Um... But, you know, and the, it's, it is actually a mess right now. It's broken, and I used it for road hockey afterwards and for, you know, hours and hours and days and days of playing road hockey. The, the blade gets very thin. And then when the stick finally broke, I realized it was a special stick because my dad had written on it, so I kind of taped it together and I kept it. And as I was uh, bringing it to the stage this morning, you know, someone on the worship team said, man, that stick is broken. And if you were, I'm going somewhere with all of this, by the way, if you, <laughs> if you were to see this stick, um, you know, you would kind of think it's useless and, and not have any value, you know, and I mentioned in first service, and I want to mention it again on purpose, that, you know, I have a bunch of trophies from playing hockey, but my wife doesn't let me have them out. kind of frustrating to me they're in, a, in the basement and they're uh, you know in boxes and we're actually not even sure and this stick i want to tell you where this stick was it's even worse this stick wasn't even in the house this was in our garage attic 
I had to go last night when I thought of this illustration, I had to go get a ladder out, crawl up into the attic of our garage, dust this beauty off. <laughs> so I could bring it this morning and it literally was dusty. And so, you know, apparently um, trophies are not valid decorating items in a house. And so all of my trophies and hey, guys, maybe we'll do a Sunday where we can all bring our trophies and we can brag a little bit. And then who cares what our wives think about our trophies, right? Um, but I digress. <clears throat> so if you were to see this stick, though, somewhere, and you didn't know that this stick had value to me, what would you do? You would just throw it out, realizing it's, it's an old, I mean, it's a Louisville slugger. Who uses a Louisville slugger hockey stick anyway? It's old. It's broken. It's like a 40-year-old hockey stick. It looks kind of useless. But it has value to me. And really all of us in our lives, sometime we are going to experience brokenness. The older that we get, we realize that life just is hard sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's not always going to be easier. And, and the older we get, all of our friends and family and our parents and our aunts and uncles, they're going to die. And, and so we're going to have, you know, we're going to go through a lot of mourning and we're going to go through a lot of grief. And one of the things that we see in the scripture that is common to all of mankind is this idea of suffering, that all of us are going to suffer in the brokenness of humanity, in the brokenness of the world. And we see this, um, this idea to, on the cross, we look at the cross and maybe, you know, some of us uh, have cross jewelry and some of us get a cross tattoo and we kind of maybe celebrate what the cross is. But ultimately, the cross in its time was a torture device. It was used to kill people. It was used to kill bad people. And they would hang for hours and sometimes days um, to their agonizing death. And so this picture of Christianity, this picture that is at the center of Christianity is this idea of suffering that God actually identifies with man. And one of the ways that he identifies with us on the cross is this commonality of suffering. Now, we experience suffering, but there is also something that we experience, and I think it's something down deep on the inside of us. When we are in an extended time of suffering or an extended time of mourning, we actually realize this isn't our ultimate destiny. We actually shouldn't live in this place where we're always uh, down in the dumps or we're always struggling, that something on the inside of us realizes that we should actually come out of this and that we shouldn't be stuck in this place of sadness. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, once again, the great redemption chapter in the Old Testament talking about Jesus. Verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one of whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. What does it say about Jesus? Despised, rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We didn't esteem him. And this would be sometimes our experience. Despised, rejected of people. That something would happen to us, something that we couldn't necessarily see um, the effects of on our physical body, but something that would affect us on the inside, being despised, being rejected. And this is something that Jesus 
also faced. But as we continue reading that redemption chapter, we see that there was a great exchange that happened on the cross, that Jesus actually took all of these things on himself so that we then could experience something else in life, that we wouldn't just have to live in this state of grief and this state of moral, just this uh, sorrow, this state of brokenness that we find ourselves in sometimes. That God actually puts something on the inside of us and then puts something in salvation to actually move us out, to move us forward in our lives so that we just don't have to be stuck forever in grief and sorrow. Matthew chapter 12 Verse 15, uh, previous to what we're going to read here, that Jesus had healed the man with the withered hand. And then the story continues. Verse 15, Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, talking about Jesus, And he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. In other words, that salvation will be provided for people who don't have a covenant with God. Verse 19, he will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Now, I love this imagery that Jesus used, quoting from the Old Testament. This idea, a bruised reed he will not break, or a tall grass or a a tall plant, that when it gets bruised, that it might not actually have value anymore. But what God doesn't do is he doesn't take this bruised reed and just break it and say it's useless. And then it talks about a smoldering wick, you know, a light, a candle that's just flickering, that's just about to go out. God doesn't cast that aside. God doesn't snuff out the flame. And this is what life is like sometimes. We're a bruised reed. Something has happened to us. Something has hit our lives, hit our soul. And then our candle is flickering. We kind of feel like our strength is waning. And God doesn't just look at us and snuff out our flame. He actually provides hope for us, hope for the Gentiles. And so when our life is like this, when it sort of looks like it's too far gone and it's useless and it has no value, God never looks at our lives regardless of the circumstances that we're facing and just says, I cast you aside. And the light in our lives that may be flickering and might be going out, God doesn't look at us and just say, well, you know, it's too far gone. You know, there's no hope for your, the flame of your life. I'm just going to snuff you out. That God always brings hope to us because of Jesus. That God always gives us strength because he identified with our suffering. Because he was despised and he was rejected. That we don't have to constantly live in that place of rejection. Now in Jesus' life and ministry, there was a couple different people that he celebrated them as having great faith. Or he actually made a big deal about the faith and how the faith they had, how it was expressed and how it played out in their lives. And we're going to look at those two stories today. And the first one is um, found in Matthew chapter 15. So you can turn over there with me. And this story is about the Canaanite woman, or as Matthew calls her, the Syrophoenician woman. And once again, this is a woman who is not of Jewish descent. She doesn't have, she's not in the covenant, not in the Jewish covenant, not in the old covenant. 
and she is in a state of brokenness or someone in her family is in a state of brokenness but let's read here about the story of the canaanite woman matthew chapter 15 verse 21 it says and jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of tyre and zidon and behold a canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying have mercy on me o lord son of david my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon and once again these are some of the worst things that we would ever face not something that would happen to us but something that would actually happen to our children and this impacts us this changes our psyche this changes our lives and here this woman she's in a real difficult circumstances but she doesn't have a covenant with god she didn't grow up going to church she didn't grow up going to synagogue she has no scriptures memorized she doesn't sing at church she doesn't have any of that but then she comes to jesus and she says jesus the son of david have mercy on me and then what happens verse 23 but he did not answer her a word and we're going to read through this story a little bit and we might think that maybe jesus was a little bit mean to this woman maybe a little bit severe uh, with this woman and one of the commentaries i was reading about uh, regarding this story the person said and i really like it that jesus what he was doing as he was discussing these things with this woman that he was drawing her faith out and we will see that as the story continues because at first he just doesn't actually answer her he doesn't respond to her cry because really to her who is david she's not jewish she doesn't necessarily know who david is or what he's accomplished so there some thought here that maybe she was just using this borrowed phrase just sort of maybe this is the abracadabra for jesus and you if you say these words here are the magic words that you'll say to jesus and then you'll receive healing so maybe jesus thought she was using a borrowed uh, vain phrase and it was just not regarding what she was saying and then let's see what continues to happen he didn't answer her a word and his disciples came and begged him saying send her away because she's crying after us now how about this for a church experience and he goes she's coming to the preacher and the preacher doesn't actually respond to her and then the people standing around the preacher say within earshot of this woman send her away she's begging too much how would that make her feel despised and rejected but here she still has this difficult circumstance her life is not actually how she's wanting it to be she's actually wanting healing for her daughter verse 24 he answered jesus he says i was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of israel but she came and knelt before him saying lord help me and he answered it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs she said yes lord even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table can you see something about this woman that she is not giving up She's not getting offended that she's getting ignored or they're saying send her away. She's in this broken condition but she with her daughter but she doesn't want to stay there. So she is persisting and she's humbling herself. She's not giving up. Now where did she learn this? Cuz she didn't go to synagogue. She didn't sing the hymns. She didn't sing your favorite hymn. 
She never served that church. But here, there's certain qualities in this woman. And Jesus is about to celebrate them. One thing, she didn't give up. Another thing, she humbled herself. And let, let's see what Jesus said. Verse 28. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Isn't that amazing? She hadn't memorized any Old Testament scriptures. Now, I'm not against memorizing scriptures. I think you should memorize scriptures. But sometimes we misplace the source of our faith. That this woman, even though she didn't have a religious background, she had faith in Jesus. And sometimes we want to add so many things to the list of, okay, I'm in this broken state. What do I need to do? Well, I need to, I need to get my life right, and I need to confess this, and I need to sing this song, and I need to serve at church, and I'm going to make sure I give my tithes, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and the other, and then maybe God will do something for me. Now, all those things that I just said, those are all good things to do, but none of those things qualify us for God's goodness. None of those things qualify us for God's healing power it is what this woman expressed with no religious background. She just had faith in Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you don't have some big religious background and you don't have any verses memorized and you don't know any of the songs that we sang today, that's okay. You know what you can do? You could just put your faith in Jesus. You don't have to go to religious school. You don't have to go to some school and learn something and you don't have to talk like the religious people talk and you don't have to dress like the religious people dress from the background that you're aware of. You can just put your faith in Jesus. And that is the thing that takes the brokenness of our lives. And then God, who doesn't want to snuff us out, and God, who doesn't want to throw us away because of all of our mistakes, he actually provides healing for us. He provides help for us. Doesn't snuff us out. He actually brings us strength. The more I hold this, the more I want to play hockey later. Anybody up for some road hockey later? We'll head over to the side building. But I might hook you a little bit, but you'll have to forgive me. So here Jesus is drawing out faith out of this woman. And then, then her daughter got healed. Matthew chapter 8. We'll see here this other story. Matthew chapter 8. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Now, if we can notice something else here about this story. So here, who is this guy? He's a centurion. He is a soldier in the occupying army. The, the, the Roman uh, army was there occupying the land. And so there's basically the enemy. And he's coming to Jesus once again with no religious training, not in the covenant. No scriptures memorized. No hymns have been sung. And he's coming to Jesus. Why? He's coming on behalf of someone else. 
And we can see in both of these stories, the centurion's coming on behalf of his servant who's sick. The woman came on behalf of her daughter. And this shows us a little bit of something about our faith and how our faith can actually affect someone's life in a positive way. Even though they might not be following Jesus and they might not be doing all the right things, that because we follow Jesus and then we actually have faith in Jesus, their life can be effective in a posi- affected in a positive way. Verse 6, O Lord, my servant is lying home at home, suffering terribly. Verse 7, what did Jesus say? He said, I will come and heal him. Verse 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers unto me, and I say to one to go and he goes, and to another come and he comes. And to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Jesus is making a big deal about this guy's faith. And in fact, he's turning around to his disciples, the apostles of the Lamb, the ones that have grown up going to synagogue the ones that have all of the religious training. And he's basically saying that this guy, who's actually our enemy, not in the covenant, he's expressing more faith than you guys. The guys that I'm actually going to entrust the future of the church to, this guy has got more faith in you. In fact, I haven't seen any faith in all of Israel like this guy. It's coming on behalf of someone else. And Jesus is saying, hey, just, uh, here, I'll come. And the guy's like, no, you don't even need to come. I understand, Jesus, that you have authority over sickness and disease. And he just has faith in that. He's got faith in Jesus. No religious training. No scriptures memorized. Faith in Jesus. Sometimes we just make it so hard for ourselves. What do I got to do? What do I got to say? And can I get 75 people to pray for me? Maybe it's the 76th person that will pray for me. That will actually make the difference. No, let's just have faith in Jesus. Like this guy. Truly, I tell you, no, and in Israel have I found such faith. Verse, verse 11, I tell you, many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that moment. See, there's something else that this servant knew. I mean, that the centurion knew that his servant shouldn't be sick. See, our body naturally, we know this. Our bodily naturally rejects sickness and disease, doesn't it? Our body has been created when we have a cut, when something happens to us. You know, we cut and we bleed. What happens? That God has created our bodies to heal. And so automatically when we find ourselves like this, there's something deep on the inside of us that says it actually shouldn't be like this. The centurion knew this. And he's coming to Jesus. He's saying, listen, I understand that you've got authority over sickness and disease. So I'm coming to you. You just got to say the word. 
Jesus said to the man, and he gave credit to the man, said, hey, as you have believed, you talk great here about this, this guy's faith. Guys, listen, this is what faith sounds like. This is what trust in God sounds like. And then what happened? The centurion's servant experienced the wholeness. He experienced healing. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. So what is it that we're talking about in all of these cases? These two cases today and the the two stories from last week. We know that they all had different brokenness, different things going on in and around their lives. But what made the difference for all of these cases? We see persistence. We see humility. We, say, we see simple faith in Jesus. Proverbs 18 verse 14 says this. The spirit of a man sustains him in sickness. But as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? What is the thing that's going to help us through our brokenness? What is the thing that's going to help us through the things that Jesus identified with us about? Despised, rejected, grief, sorrow, pain, sickness and disease. What is the thing uh, about our hearts that's actually going to make the difference? Because They all had different circumstances. They all came from different backgrounds. They all had stuff that they could point to. That their reed was bruised. That their candle was about to go out. But God never looks at any of those circumstances. And says, I'm just going to cast you aside. It's too far gone. The flame is about to go out. Just give up. We're going to take that brokenness and we're just going to throw it in the fire. We're just going to throw it away. No, God never does that to us. In the moment of those times, what is he saying to us? And what do we know that's deep in our souls and deep in our hearts that God gives us strength? The spirit of a man sustains him. The spirit of a man on the inside of us is the spirit of God. God is strengthening our spirit to bring us out, to bring us through. He's not casting us aside. He's not snuffing out our flame. He's actually bringing us his power. He's bringing us, our, bringing us strength through our hearts. Man, he sustains us. He took this And he gives us something else. Isaiah chapter 61. We're almost done. When Jesus, last week we read this in Luke 4. And this is the passage that Jesus was quoting. Isaiah 61 verse 1. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Not so you'll stay in mourning forever, but God is going to comfort those who mourn. 
to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. Now this might be a little bit blind to us because these aren't things that we do culturally. But when you are in a time of mourning, you know, like today, people would, will wear black if they're in a state of mourning sometimes or they'll do different things. Uh, within Jewish culture, they would actually put ashes on themselves. And a beautiful headdress, instead of ashes represented mourning, a beautiful headdress was more of a something of celebration, something about joy. So there's a great exchange going on. That God is exchanging for us our state of mourning. What is he doing? He's giving us something else instead of ashes. Something else instead of mourning. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. Oil was representative of success or prosperity. That when someone was covered in oil, that they were anointed with oil, it was, it was showing God's blessing. So instead of just being in a state of mourning, God gives us, what does he give us? He gives us the oil of gladness. The oil of gladness in our spirit. Because our spirit will sustain us. His spirit in our spirit will sustain us. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. A, a, a wick, a candle that's flickering. A, a candle that's about to go out. What is he giving us? Praise instead of that. That in those moments that we feel like our strength is waning, what are we supposed to do? Praise God, lift up God, connect ourselves with Him. You know, we're always hopeful that the, the, this shouldn't be the only time during the week that you worship God with the three or four songs that we sing. You, know, you need to get some worship music going in your car or, or on your iPod or on your phone, whatever the case may be, so that you can be constantly singing praise. Because we don't want to live with a faint spirit. We actually know that it is not our purpose in life to live with a faint spirit. But God's going to give us a garment of praise instead of that. That they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Instead of a bruised reed, instead of a faint spirit, instead of a flickering candle, what are we going to be? We're going to be oaks. We're going to be strong. The strong spirit, the spirit of a man, the spirit of a person sustains us. Why? Because he identified with our brokenness. He was despised and rejected. Cast him away, set him aside, throw him out. That's not God. It's never too late. It's never too far gone. It's not over. You're still breathing. We still see you. You're still looking at us. Aren't you? You're not six feet under. You're not in glory yet. We see you. He sustains us. <laughs> so what am I going to be? Instead of a flickering candle and a bruised reed, I am going to be a strong oak. There's going to be something that God does in my spirit that he is sustaining me. Why? Because Jesus took it for me. 
Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness today. We thank you for your strength and for your love. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus was our substitute. That when we experience being rejected and despised and we experience mourning, Lord, we know that you took that for us and that you give us your strength today. Lord, we tap into your strength. We know, Lord, that we are not supposed to be a flickering light. But we know that our strength comes from you. That when we are weak, we know that we can be strong because we are strong in you today, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that you are helping each one. Today, regardless of our background, regardless of our brokenness, regardless of what we've done wrong, regardless of the mistakes that we've made, that you are not casting us aside, Lord. You are not throwing us out. We just thank you for that today, Lord. We thank you for your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness and your love and your strength and your power. You are so good. So good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.